Welcome back to another exciting episode of Ravens Recap. We're uh, really happy to be back with you guys. We're really excited for our next episode. This is the State of the Division episode, the 2021 edition. Uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of fun doing this last year in 2020, uh, being able to look at the other AFC North rivals and, and see what they were up to, and, and kind of get a good idea of what is going to go on with the next season. And we're yeah, we're really ha- happy to uh, to come back with 2021. I think we'll probably open it up with Peter, starting with the Cincinnati Bengals. What's been going on with them? Yeah, so I think the Cincinnati Bengals makes sense as a logical first stop for us to look at. If we look at the state of the AFC North, I think even Bengals fans will say that, at least for this year, uh, the Bengals are the team favored to finish last. And it's not too much of a surprise. Ravens, Browns, Steelers all made the playoffs last season, all still have bringing back a lot of good players, but... When you look at the Bengals, and in preparation for this, I've read some Bengals blogs and listened to podcasts by some Bengals fans, and they they do have some optimism about the direction of the team this year. Is it going to be enough for them you know, to get eight-plus wins, like Chad Johnson uh, said on Twitter that the Bengals are headed for? Uh, it doesn't really sound like that's the confidence of the fan base, but you know, at the start of it, what you have to look at with this team, there are two big things going into this season for them. Obviously, the health of Joe Burrow is a big one. He had the ACL-MCL injury halfway through the season last year. He's doing some training, as is going on right now, um, on pace to start the season, apparently. But the team is being very cautious with that. And the other thing to look at is Zach Taylor. This will be his third season with the Bengals and has had the illustrious record of 6-25-1 to start his career there. You would think that he would probably be the, uh, the highest odds, as far as Vegas is concerned, for being the first coach fired in this season that is upcoming. However, it is the Bengals, and we know that the Bengals' front office holds on to coaches forever, so he only has the sixth best Vegas odds, <laughs> probably mainly because of that. But, you know, the Bengals, you look at what they they've done this offseason— and it was actually a smart offseason for them, I think. And what they really did, the big splash they made, of course, was drafting Jamar Chase uh, in the first round with a pickup that as high as they had it. Um, Joe Burrow's ex-teammate from LSU, he's going to be someone that the division is going to have to deal with for a, while, a long time, it would seem. He's going to be uh, a big threat for them. But the made a lot of moves to really bolster both their offensive line and their defensive line, which if you think about it, in the AFC North, like that's what you really want to do when you have these teams, Ravens, Steelers, and Browns, all three of the best rushing teams in the NFL, and all three of those teams have strong defensive lines. So you look at that, and for that being the philosophy that the Bengals made this offseason, maybe it's not going to pay off for them right away, but you got to look at that as a smart decision by their organization. I tell you, I would have loved to have been in the room because you know there was a conversation where Burrow was like, go get me my guy. It's interesting to me. I'm curious like, if he wanted that offensive line help to maybe like keep him upright because it's interesting. I mean, we'll talk about it as we go through all the rest of the teams in the division, but I feel like every team in the division has like quite the uh, onslaught of wide receivers and uh, it's kind of interesting that to see how the NFL is 
gotten to the point where like every offense you look at you're like oh yeah they have like at least two or three like notable guys and for them it's like three very notable could be incredibly uh scary for opposing defenses between boyd higgins and chase so yeah it's uh it's it's wild yeah, it's pretty crazy to think that the Bengals, like we said, they're right now you're looking at them as the bottom team in this division, but they might have the best wide receiver trio right now. You know, Steelers fans might want to disagree. Yeah, they would. They, they would disagree. Um, uh, yeah, but hands, but hands down. Yeah, hands down the Bengals too. I don't think anybody comes close right now. Definitely not. Joe Burrow, if he gets healthy, that'll be the thing to, to keep an eye on and What's an interesting thing that I read is apparently he has been working this offseason on his uh, strengthening his hips, strengthening his base there, and that's going to help improve the velocity and accuracy on his ball. That's uh, something he looked that he could do while he was recovering from the ACL-MCL injury to, to still find a way to add a new element to his game. And another thing Burrow really struggled with in his rookie year was uh, – he didn't really have a huge amount of success with the deep ball. Uh, that's part of his game that still needs to catch up to the NFL level. But again, you bring back his his college buddy, Chase. Once Burrow starts getting healthy, I think we could see him having some big success there, uh, maybe later in the second half of the season. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a guy to watch out for as the season progresses to see how he warms up and this is definitely a team I could see at the end of the season becoming more competitive. It scares me to think that they might be a couple pieces away from competing because like we'll talk about, I mean, it's a very top heavy division right now. Steelers fans would say that they're going to win the division or they have a shot. Browns fans think they're going to do it. Obviously Ravens fans think they're going to do it. I mean, it's not often that you have three teams in the division that legitimately have not just like blind optimism, but a real reason to think that and to have the Bengals, have a nucleus of young players that could really pop and be scary soon. I mean, this might be the best division in the NFL for sure. Yeah. I particularly think some of the uh, free agent pickups that the Bengals had uh, this off season. So Riley reef and Trey Hendrickson, Larry Ogunjobi, um, some of these guys really to kind of help bolster their offensive defensive lines, uh, I think are really going to pay dividends, you know, assuming, you know, they have a good scheme fit, you know, Ogunjobi in particular, I think was a, the guy you kind of had to watch out for on Cleveland's stacked uh, defensive line last year. So um, definitely think that they can contribute right away um, and, and be good. You just have to hope that some of their later round picks from this year, people like uh, my guy, Joseph Osai, Cam Sample, uh, guys like them, uh, hopefully they can develop quickly so that uh, they can kind of you know meld together a little bit and uh, be a successful defense. Yeah, and they brought in the help of Mike Hilton from the Steelers, who was one of the guys I pointed out in the offseason. I thought we could get him for cheaper, but they actually paid a lot of money to get him. I think almost $6 million a year, which is a little higher than I thought, I think, if we go back to the episode. So, yeah, it's uh, a team that's definitely starting to come together. And they, like you said, they have the young talent, some of the guys that we thought were interesting going into the draft to kind of pull it all together and really start to compete soon. Yeah, it is a little surprising that they spent so much money trying to get Mike Hilton. Uh, obviously, he's not the same position as you know some of the other players that they have. But I mean, last off season, remember that the Bengals went out and, and signed two corners from the Vikings, uh, Trey Waynes and I'm, I'm struggling, Mackenzie Alexander, I think maybe the other guy. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've spent a lot of money on cornerbacks over the last two years. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, 
Yeah, and Waynes will be an interesting guy to watch out for this year because he didn't play a snap for the Bengals last year. He had a shoulder injury in the offseason, so he's coming back. It's be interesting to see what he has in the tank. And really, can he be a, a number one corner for this team? He was a former first-round pick in Minnesota, uh, from my understanding. Didn't exactly live up to expectations, but uh, did flash at times. So that is interesting. It's really, you know, the, you look at their secondary, they've got with their cornerbacks, they got Waynes. We mentioned Hilton. They also picked up Awuzi from Dallas and then Eli Apple. Their top four corners didn't play a single snap for this team last year. It's kind of rare. I think you, you see a team do that. And, uh, you know, I don't think that, that the fan base has a huge amount of hope that, that it's going to be a huge success. But I guess there's a little bit of a trade-off here. We talked about how they put a huge amount of resources towards the defensive line and they're kind of doing a, a patchwork job in the secondary and the linebacking core at the moment. I gotta say this is probably the first time in a long time that the Bengals haven't had a homegrown like first round pick at cornerback. I mean going back there's just so many names of the Bengals picking up cornerbacks left and right but almost all oh, of them man. are gone. Yeah a lot of guys that gave the Ravens a lot of issues. <laughs> Yeah, who was the latest guy? I, I'm I'm blanking on it. I know it wasn't it wasn't Drake or Kirkpatrick. He was a few years ago, but there was um yeah, William Jackson's the guy. Yeah, I think he was the last first round pick for the Bengals to to play a cornerback. But apparently he had a falling out with uh, the Bengals a little bit. Seemed to uh, kind of be happier to be on his way out. But yeah, I guess I had to have somebody to play cornerback. So it looks like they'll just have to see if they can rely on this free agents at least for this year until they can get back to uh, drafting some more talent on that side. Yeah, and if, if you think about it, it's it's a good strategy to build from the foundation up. We've talked about how more teams should do that, and that's why a lot of these teams end up in year after year in the top 10 because they fail to do it and instead go for offensive talent, uh, skill positions. But the Bengals seem to be kind of be doing both. Obviously, with the offensive line last year didn't keep Burrow healthy, but there's some reasons for hope for the Bengals this year. Uh, there's hope that Jonah Williams can finally play a full season at left tackle. Uh, he was their first-round pick two years ago. Injuries have really kept him off the field for a majority of his first two seasons. Like we already said, they brought in Riley Reef. They drafted Jackson Carmen, who they're expecting to slot in at right guard and start, assuming he wins the camp battle. And a big move, at least the fan base is, seems to be really excited about this, that the Bengals brought back uh, Frank Pollock, who was with the Jets for the past two years, but was the offensive line coach for the Bengals prior to that. And the the fan base seems to, to wonder, you know, they believe Pollock should have never left, from my understanding, and that uh, the coaching that took place last year was very lackluster and um, was not anything that was going to help the guys that were on the team develop a lot of very soft protection, a lot of two-hand jabbing. So uh, it sounds like Pollock is going to help coach up these younger guys and just really instill actual offensive line philosophy that for the Bengals, they're really hoping will keep Burrow upright and will also keep Joe Mixon, uh, get him to actually live up to the, the, big hype that he's had over these past couple seasons but he hasn't been able to reach because he runs behind an offensive line that has no holes to <laughs> to make him for him 
and they give too many opportunities to Giovanni Bernard, who's no longer on the team. So I'm hoping that he becomes a bell cow. And finally, when I draft him, inevitably I'll draft him <laughs> in, a, in a fancy draft and he'll be the one. You know, he actually has not been that bad for what it's worth. But, you know, I hear you, man. Like, you see the potential. You see the the catching out of the backfield potential. And then they just, like, go away from it. And um, if they figure out a way to keep him involved in the offense and productive, and then you think about those wide receivers, it gets interesting. I think the the offense is definitely starting to shape up. And I'll be curious to see. You know, last year they had sample play at tight end. Um, they actually have two samples now, which is kind of ironic. They drafted a defensive tackle sample as well. And Uzama's coming back from injury. So with him and Sample, um, maybe they start to progress as well at the tight end department. And you could definitely see how this offense could really start clicking. And defense is, they're building it up, draft picks and also free agency. So they could be a surprisingly good team. You know, I was just having the thought, you know, why why does there always have to be like a good, medium, you know, bad team in a division? They don't have, it could be that (laughs) for whatever reason, the AFC North decides to be very good. There's no reason that it can't be other than the fact that they have to kind of beat up on each other. Like they could otherwise be like all very good teams. And then it will be very fascinating. Cause like one of them is not going to make the playoffs for no other reason than just like, that's how it works. I don't know. It's yeah. unlikely. Obviously like, you know, the Steelers probably are on their last legs with this season and, and stuff like that. Like you can see how this doesn't last very long, but it looks like we're at almost a bubble of, of AFC North greatness. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing that's going to hold the Bengals back this year is their secondary. But if they can score enough points to to alleviate that, then yeah, like you said, they could make a run for the the seventh seed in the playoffs. And I think just one last thing uh, back to Mixon because I found this very interesting. We give Alec a lot of crap for his love of Joe Mixon, but so interesting. According to Pro Football Focus, uh, while Mixon has only averaged three point nine yards per carry over the last two seasons. He's averaged three yards after contact and compare that in 2020 <laughs> oh to, to Nick Chubb, who averaged 2.7 and Derrick Henry, who averaged 2.8. If, if this uh, new offensive line strategy that the Bengals are uh, utilizing this year uh, pans out, then Mixon and he stays healthy could be in line for a pretty big season. Do you want to hear an insane stat? <laughs> So what, that, it's like Mixon Mixon's like what point nine, right? Like yeah. basically yards before he gets touched. <laughs> JK Thomas is three point one yards <laughs> before he's touched. If you think about it, on average, <laughs> he could just run every single down and before he's even touched, get a first down. <laughs> like just stupid. <laughs> what a oh, difference. Uh, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard that stat today, and I thought that was absolutely bonkers about J.K. Dobbins. 3.1 yards before he even got touched last year. All I'm hearing is that you should pick up J.K. Dobbins in your fantasy leagues ahead of Mixon. Well, no. <laughs> so, like, everyone's like, oh, he's going to get his volume you know, snatched away by Gus and Lamar. You can't draft him. And I'm like, that's what you all think. <laughs> <laughs> RB1. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyways. Do we want to move on or anything else we want to talk about with uh, the Bengals? I think we gave the Bengals uh, quite enough of a spotlight. We gave them a lot of, of good superlatives. Um, we'll see if when the season comes, if, if we overhype them or not. Yeah, I'm curious if Justin's just shaking his head listening to this being like, nah, man, they're, they're going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> We're being all optimistic. Yeah. All right. I, I, I don't mind going ahead with the Steelers. So 
the Steelers are in a really interesting place. They're getting the band back together one more time. They're trying to do it for Ben. And I think they're trying to have those 2015 Denver Bronco vibes of like our quarterback was a great, but he's kind of like definitely on the back end of his career, but he can manage a game. And, you know, if we build up a good defense around him and, you know, have a running game, et cetera, like we can make this work. And it kind of feels like that's what they're going for here. And I think it's interesting. If you look at their draft, they spent the first four picks on offense. They went and got Najee Harris, Pat Fremont, tight end out of Penn State, which you might remember from the draft preview. I didn't like that much for the Ravens, but we'll see in plenty of them now to see if he's actually a good player or not. Kendrick Green at center and Dan Moore Jr. at offensive tackle, which uh, some people think was a, a big win for them and uh, could actually compete to be an offensive tackle right away. Uh, the big big storyline going into this season is the new offensive coordinator in uh, Mr. Canada and their new offensive line coach, Adrian Clem. This is the talk of the town. They want to institute a new offense uh, and not be as predictable as Todd Haley. And they're also trying to make sure their offensive line plays differently. Um, there was a lot of controversy across the coaches last year about you know who should be playing on the offensive line and how they should be playing and their game plan was to basically and you actually kind of heard it in uh villanueva's press conference they were focused on protecting ben more so than they were running the ball effectively they like kind of like gave some scheme up in order to make sure that they had good pass defense and um that's completely changing now with uh clem so the (laughs) And people, the beat writers there love him. They're like, he's apparently telling everyone to like annihilate their opponent, make them feel like they are inferior, like never can play again. So he's trying to have this really like hard nosed attitude. And you also saw in free agency, they're trying to bulk up on the line. They uh, picked up BJ Finley from the Bengals for about three to four million a year. And they got Cho Hag from Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they're definitely trying to get some firepower there. So you're going to have a new look offensive line. Both their tackles are gone after, uh, you know, we signed uh, Villanueva and um, the Chargers picked up Feeler. So it's going to be a new look offensive line. The game plan is let's get more run heavy, you know, with uh, Fremont there. They'll have another tight end in play who could block and, uh, you know, help with that. And also, of course, with Najee Harris, he's a big threat. And they actually are probably going to look to him in the passing game, too. He's known to be a good pass catching back. So if they can get a better balance in the 70-30 they had near the end of the year where they were just throwing all the time, that would make their pass catchers like even more dangerous, obviously. Um, so you can see how this could work for them, how they could really rebound maybe from last year and, and come back. But what you'll notice, I think, in my opinion, about the Steelers is they're thin. If one of their starters goes down, particularly on defense, they don't have the depth anymore, and they're really going to have to be relying on some of these late-round picks uh, and even undrafted free agents to fill in the void. Yeah, I think uh, it was an interesting strategy overall to uh, to pick Najee Harris in the first round, especially if we're talking, you know, it looks like there's so much changing as far as like offensive line play and things like that. You know, I, I can see it on one hand, if by drafting Harris really can take off a lot of the pressure on Ben, if drafting him alone is enough to, you know, really jumpstart their run game, which was not very good last year. But on the other hand, like, I don't know. Maybe it could have been better to also like take a, you know, take a higher offensive tackle there, or maybe you know take a you know a defensive player there, and maybe pick up a running back in the second or third, something like that. 
Um, just because, I mean, we've seen that you can still get a productive running back in the later rounds. You know, is, is Harris really going to be able to cover for all of the lost talent that they've had on the line? Because, yeah, I mean, in, in addition to the tackles both leaving, I mean, Pound, Pouncey retired last year as well. So, I mean, you have three positions that you need to replace on the offensive line. And, yeah, it just seems like, uh, I don't know, they're relying on a lot to go well for them this year, for sure. That's a really good point, Chris. I mean, a lot of people are really excited about Trey Sermon, who was drafted in the third round, 88th pick, to be like a good running back. Uh, a lot of people are projecting that he could really be productive and uh, in the 49er scheme. So if you say, okay, in the third round, Steelers, you could have gotten instead of, uh, you know, it was actually a pick right after. So you instead of getting Kendrick Green, your center there, you could have gotten Sermon. And instead of Najee Harris, you got a guy like Tevin Jenkins, you know, Tevin maybe Jenkins that's, might have been that, play, that could have yeah. been like, that could have been an interesting combination. I know obviously there was a lot of uh, injury concerns that were undocumented until like after the draft essentially about him. And that's why he fell. But yeah, I, I think that's an interesting and valid point. I, you know, I've been one to always say like, don't spend money, don't spend draft capital on running backs. So I think that would have been a really viable strategy for them as well. Yeah. I think that could have worked out for them if, uh, if they had decided to go that route. Running backs is such an interesting position right now. I, I do feel like there was that, you know, that that doldrums of the the middle of last decade where, like, no top running backs were being drafted high, and you know there was all these teams are going by committee. But yeah, you have seen we've seen a slight resurgence of of the top back coming back with with um, Saquon Barkley and guys like Zeke Elliott, and I mean, you know, the Ravens drafted Dobbins high last year and we saw we've seen how much of a game changer he's going to be uh, for the future so I can't fault the Steelers for taking a gamble here on Harris uh, you know Alabama back we know a lot of good guys have come out of there from the running back position of course you know for every Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry you're going to have your Trent Richardson's but I think there's a lot to like about Harris he strikes me as a throwback Steelers back and you know big power back. And like I said, guy can come out and be a receiver as well. But yeah, you do bring up a good point. I mean, this Steelers team, one of the reasons their offensive line struggled so much last year was because they had such continuity that guys on that line had been on their five, six seasons and gotten old. And eventually that's going to run out. So now you're going to try and rebuild that this season around your aging potential future Hall of Famer quarterback and a guy who could be in the running for offensive rookie of the year because he seems like he might have that talent uh, yeah I, it's it's not a bad strategy but I do see what you guys are saying that you know it wasn't the only route that they could have taken really good point Peter I think this is a win now move right like we were discussing a running back that you draft they can come in right away they can produce you know that Najee Harris is going to probably be you know fairly good for them right away um, and if they're trying to do one last chance with uh, with Ben, that's the kind of guy you pick up. So makes a lot of sense for what they're trying to achieve this year. Maybe not the best, you know, looking five years ahead. But for this year, what they're trying to do, they're trying to get the stars to align one last time. If we look defensively, as we talked about earlier, they lost Mike Hilton. So the idea now is that you're going to have uh, Sutton on the outside and Joe Hayden so uh, that could be decent. You know, people are saying that Joe Hayden's kind of fallen off now, but 
I could see how that would work out for them. And it's funny, apparently, I didn't know this about uh, Hilton. He was an undrafted free agent. So Shocker Brown is the new darling in their town. He was also an undrafted free agent who they think could play corner, uh, uh, slot corner. So they're like, oh, they did it again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's that's the game plan. And, you know, the Seals are really good at finding uh, wide receivers in later rounds that are dominant. Uh, perhaps they're also good at finding slot corners. Who knows? But they did lose Blood Dupree, so they're looking at Alex Highsmith, my guy from last year, to make another step and kind of produce. Devin Bush will be back, so that's obviously a, a big win for them. And they still have a pretty good uh, secondary with Micah Fitzpatrick back there at Edmonds. So I think there's like a way that this defense, again, could actually be really solid. The problem is like they have to all stay healthy. Because the second they lose somebody, they're, they're going to be going to these rookies that they drafted. Or just, you know, not that high quality of player. So I think their overall roster construction is very thin at this point. They don't have the depth to really be resilient to injury. And that's what we saw last year, too, is they had injuries and they fell apart in the later half of the year. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens with these these teams eventually. You know, we see it happen with the Patriots. We've seen it happen with the Steelers right now. And um, honestly, that's what happened to the Ravens, you know, from 2015 through 2018. Just these teams you have a lot of good drafts in a row and you hold on to these players for a while but eventually they get older and you had some good drafts but not quite as good didn't weren't able to hold on to some players that uh got big paydays other places and eventually the the bubble bursts a bit and you're gonna have to do a little bit of a of a rebuild and i think like we're saying that's kind of what the steelers are looking at this year one last hurrah and then you know, it might, then we might see the Bengals overtake them <laughs> in the coming seasons. We'll see. Right. Yeah. Doesn't uh, TJ Watt, doesn't his contract come up next year for the Steelers? I believe so. Yeah. That's not going to be fun for them. <laughs> yeah. We know that their cap situation is not fantastic at the moment. So, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I guess, you know, Ben will be off the books at that point, or at least hopefully most of his uh, cap money will probably be off the books. So I guess that will help a lot, but yeah, for sure. TJ Watt is going to get a massive contract. That dude's really good. So it's not going to put him in a good place if they, you know, definitely want to resign him next year. All right. Well, then I'll wrap it up with the Brownies. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. No, this is actually a lot of fun. Um, you know, for sure, I think the Browns are going to be the biggest competitor of the Ravens this year. Like, assuming they're here to stay, right? Assuming that the Browns are not just a one-hit wonder and they're going to be here for the uh, for the foreseeable future. I definitely think that they can be. You know, as far as 2020, I, I do think that they overachieved a lot. Um, actually, I, I shouldn't say a lot. They definitely overachieved. Um, but it was a pleasant surprise, I think, for a lot of Browns fans, um, especially after beating up the Steelers in the wild card round. That was just a, a crazy game in, in terms of offense. They beat them 48 to 37. And to be honest, from, you know, if, if you leave out the. Uh, I guess if you leave out the first half of the divisional game against the Chiefs, where the Chiefs kind of blew out the Browns, they were able to climb back into it. So the game was a little bit close, but um, you know I still think that there were a few pieces missing uh, for the Browns to truly be competitive with the with the Chiefs moving forward. And that's not really a slight against the Browns either, because the Ravens also have lost to the Chiefs several times. So Browns fans, if anybody's listening, I'm not shitting on them for that reason. But <laughs> I called them the Brownies earlier. <laughs> It's a term of endearment. <laughs> term of endearment. After reading a lot on, on the Browns offseason, I, I think I can kind of sum up their strategy pretty well in terms of 
it's defense, defense, defense. It's all defense, basically. Um, you look at almost all of their free agent pickups, almost all defense. You look at their top picks in the draft, defense. I think they're really relying on the offense that they brought in 2020 to mostly stay intact. You know, they brought in a, a few sort of smaller players. You know, they drafted Anthony Schwartz, a wide receiver in the third round of the draft. He could be developed into a good weapon. But I'm not sure if they're going to be expecting him to be a solid contributor day one. Um, but yeah, defense, uh, basically, they just are throwing a bunch of money at this defense and hoping that, you know, it'll kind of make it gel together into a, a very solid defense this year. So if we're looking at the free agent additions, some guys uh, I think of note. So John Johnson, uh, safety, was signed to a three-year deal uh, away from the LA Rams. And so PFF actually had him ranked pretty highly, overall grade 85, which is third overall among safeties. It's pretty good. In addition to him, they actually brought over another player from the Rams, Troy Hill, cornerback for the two-year deal. And so I, I think for him, this is kind of like a, um, I'm going to say like a Mike Hilton signing in that probably mainly signed to play uh, inside corner, but can move to the outside if needed. Um, actually, Hill... Uh, swapped out with Jalen Ramsey quite often on the outside over in LA. And then we have other guys. So Jadavian Clowney, we know that the Browns uh, won the Clowney sweepstakes this off season. So they signed him for a one-year deal. Uh, Also to Karis McKinley away from Atlanta for another one-year deal. To be honest, I think that's kind of like a, uh, a boomer bust pick to be honest. Uh, You know, his career in Atlanta wasn't all that great. So, you know, uh, I think Clowney will definitely have the inside track to uh, to any position there. Other than one of note as well, Malik Jackson, defensive tackle. You guys might remember him from Denver, Jacksonville, a bunch of other teams. Um, I believe Malik Jackson was actually on that 2017 AFC Championship uh, team that Jacksonville fielded. So I, I think he's kind of a vet signing. I, I don't know if he's going to be a solid contributor for that, but I could see him kind of replacing uh, Ogunjobi. And uh, I think the other guy to mention as well for defense, um, so this isn't a free agent pickup, but it is pretty significant in terms of roster construction. Uh, the Browns were pretty high on second year, well, uh, rookie last year, uh, Grant Delpit, uh, second year uh, this year. So he was actually a second round pick in 2020. And uh, fans are pretty high on him, a very talented guy. Unfortunately, he got injured uh, in the offseason and wasn't able to play it down in 2020. But it looks like he's uh, going to be healthy. He's going to be returning this year. So um, it'll be great to you know f- to have him back there with uh, John Johnson and some of the other guys that they have in the safety room to really try and uh, solidify that. Yeah, I, I think when you look at this, um, we were talking about how the Bengals made a good decision to bolster the offensive and and defensive line and make that their strategy for this year you look at what the Browns main weakness was last year and it was uh their their pass defense their rush defense was actually pretty good it finished just under how well the Ravens did Ravens uh gave 108.8 yards per game on the ground Cleveland right behind them 110.8 uh but in passing while while the Browns weren't awful they were still in the bottom half of the league as far as pass defense. Um, and yeah, I think you get look at these moves and they're, that's going to help them uh, to, to really solidify that end of the defense. And with them bringing back all these players already for the defensive line and, you know, who are helping them out in the run game, 
that you're looking at it at a team that is going to be able to, to go back for a winning record again next season, I think. Yeah, you don't love what you're hearing about this, you know. We already <laughs> exactly. know they have a good front four. They get Clowney. They get McKinley. They go ahead and bolster their secondary with John Johnson and Troy Hill. You've got, like we said, Delpit coming back. I mean, a lot of people thought he could go in the first round, even to the Ravens potentially last year. So quality player. And then their offense, like, you know, it's not bad. So you're like looking at it, you're like – darn it <laughs> like that does seem like a good yeah. team it's going to take some work to beat them it's going to take some work to win the division and maybe you know hopefully bring a home game or two to the ravens uh in the in the playoffs like you know it's just it's just a little frustrating you know obviously to see such a good team building in cleveland yeah yeah it, you know to play devil's advocate a little bit i think while the rush defense was pretty good last year i mean they do you know, they are losing two pieces, right? Ogunjobi, we talked about, uh, went on to the went on to the Bengals. Olivier Vernon as well. So he was also in that front four. He played a, a opposite of Miles Garrett for a few years. He's also a free agent. So he wasn't, uh, he's not playing for the Browns. So, you know, they did see some turnover in their front four. So these guys like Clowney, uh, Malik Jackson, like these guys are probably going to be having to step up in, in that role. And so we don't know if they're going to be uh, to playing to the same level as some of the guys who left. So um, I, I think there is a little bit of a question mark there. I think the other thing I, I guess you could say as well is that e- even though they might have been, you know, even though the, they might have been pretty good overall in terms of uh, overall standing last year, you know, it is one thing where they, you know, all these teams should be building to, you know, face your divisional opponents, right? That's kind of one strategy that most teams take is you build to, to beat the other teams in your division. And Ravens are bringing back just as many guys. They've beefed up so many, uh, you know, with so many guys on their offensive line with Zeitler, with Villanueva, and, you know, guys like Ben Cleveland and things like that. So they're doubling down on having just as good, if not a better run game than last year, which was already very good. So, you know, I, I guess one potential knock you could say is, you know, maybe the Browns should have drafted somebody um, in, you know, particularly in the higher rounds, maybe on the defensive line or something. You know, they definitely are going a little uh, heavy, I think, on the uh, secondary. But, I, it might pay off for him. We'll see. But yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of secondary additions, so it's probably worth bringing up at this point some of the uh, players that they drafted this year. So their first round pick was actually a cornerback. So Greg Newsom the second. He's a pretty interesting pick. Um, I gotta say he's uh, you know if if the Browns are able to develop him pretty well, I could see him being a very good weapon for them. So, um, you know, some of the things that I read on him is plays well in man, plays well in zone, can kind of do both things pretty well. Um, He does need a little bit of development, and some of his penalties, I think, can be an issue. So he needs to clean those up a little bit. Um, But honestly, if if he were able to come in, you know, by the end of the season to be a a solid, you know, contributor uh, on the other side of Denzel Ward, that would be a very, very good thing for the Browns to have. Um, In addition to, uh, you know, uh, Greg Newsom. Uh, they were able to end up with uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, a linebacker. Um, J-O-K. I think he was, yeah, JOK. He's from Penn State too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was like the guy that was like super highly rated on the draft board all night and he just kept sliding and sliding and sliding. Uh, like several linebackers went ahead of him. People were getting surprised. I remember the. Um, Washington football team fans were hoping that he'd be their pick in the first round, and then it wasn't. Yeah. So, 
interesting signing for them. Apparently, again, injury concerns. Um, so if you know the concerns are non-founded, this could be a really big pickup for them to get uh, first-round value in the second. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is one of those picks who I think it's it's, it's definitely very interesting. You know, he, he's kind of has one of those tweener bodies. Um, I believe some people were saying he's almost kind of like Isaiah Simmons in that, you know, he's a freakish athlete, very good. You know, if you can find him in the right spot and have him play in the right packages, like you might strike gold. But if you try to fit him in, a you know, a scheme or a position group that he's not so good at, like it may not be, uh, it may not go very well. So, you know, when I'm looking at the Browns and I look at, you know, playing against the Ravens or something, I think, you know, maybe you might want to have somebody who plays a little bit better against the run, a little bit heavier, because you're going to face so many of these run-heavy schemes. But if he's able to do that, if he's able to just motor through everybody, you know, that could be a really good pick for them, particularly if we're looking at uh, matchups with the Ravens. But, uh, yeah, in addition to in addition to him, I, I think there were a couple of interesting guys uh, as well in the later rounds. So, like I said earlier, Anthony Schwartz, a wide receiver that they picked up in the third um, he'll be interesting to see if he can develop into another one of their weapons that they have. I mean, you have to think some of their other guys, you know, behind Juice Landry. I mean, you have Richard Higgins, you have um, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, some of these guys they picked up in later rounds and have been pretty productive for them. So uh, Schwartz could be one of those guys as well. Um, then you have other guys like James Hudson, offensive tackle, uh, Tommy Togiai, defensive tackle, Tony Fields, linebacker, um, LeCount safety and then uh Dimitrik Felden another wide receiver I think in the seventh round um so you know any one of those guys you know might be able to be you know these more developmental could contribute a little bit this year in certain packages that kind of thing they are developmental uh, the, the people that listen closely to the pod may remember some of these names so James Hudson was a guy that I said the Ravens could pick up maybe later in the draft and he was just a winner he didn't have the best technique but he was able to get it done at the offensive tackle position. And I said with our coaching, he could really maybe be refined in something good. And I thought he was a good, like, late offensive tackle pickup for us. Uh, so we'll get to see how that plays out for the Browns. And then I think my number one, like, convert guy from listening to other people's takes, Peter was talking about him, Dimitri Felton. He said the Ravens or the Patriots were going to pick up this guy. Uh, the Browns did. So we'll get to see it, you know? So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know? I always love this now that we do the pod that we like look over all these players in the draft. We get some guys that we're like interested in or like, mm, that could be an interesting pick for the Ravens. And then we see them go to like divisional rivals and you're like, Oh, let's see how it plays out. So, you know, you have Osai, I've got high Smith and now we've got a couple more guys here with the Browns. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think we also forgot to mention, uh, we talked about, uh, Tyler Shelvin as a possible guy for the Ravens as, as a run stuffer and the Bengals picked him up. So, uh, it is interesting. We we were earmarked a couple of these guys for for the Ravens, and they were still uh, deemed guys to get l- a look at as for AFC North football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna be fun to see how this plays out. It's kind of cool though, you know, to have some of that knowledge. I mean, it's not normal for a fan to be like, "Oh yeah, their seventh round pick, Demetric Felton." You know, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he might be a guy. <laughs> You know, or like last year with Diamond Peoples Jones, like I think they were like fifth or sixth round. You know, like usually you're not looking your fifth or sixth round uh, wide receiver to be anything. Oh, but I was over here like, ah, you know, that's a guy. Well, let's not give ourselves too much credit, you know, until th- we actually see how this plays out. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm just saying like, you know, it's, it's just funny. Like, it's cool. Like doing this, the show that you get 
some of this football knowledge of just like random players. It reminds me of back in the day. I remember like my dad would say this was one of my like unique skills. I could tell you like the, the third string defensive tackle on any team in the NFL because I played so much Madden, you know, <laughs> like I just knew, I just knew all the players. Back when we had all that time. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the fun days. But uh, but yeah, bringing it bringing back to the Browns a little bit. I guess I, I kind of wanted to close out with this of of just kind of talking strategy a little bit. We've we've kind of had you know three different strategies in terms of roster construction. So it seemed like the Bengals are were definitely focused on uh, building up both sides of the line. It looks like a lot of their signings and draft picks sort of did that. The Steelers look like they're they're almost all into trying to you know bring the band back together and, and trying to like fill as many holes as possible to try to like like make one last push uh deep into the postseason i think overall for the browns you know i have to say the, the you know defense 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 has definitely been their motto this year i think it could work for them and i'm definitely very scared uh you know they are going to do some damage this year but i will say that overall after looking at all the moves that they did make i am a little surprised that i didn't see you know maybe like one or two more moves onto the offense you know their offense was good last year. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, they have dangerous weapons. They still have one of the best uh, running back duos in, in Chubb and Hunt, which will continue for at least th- this next year. Um, but I am surprised that they didn't, you know, pick up like, you know, another tight end or you know maybe like some other weapon, maybe another like you know depth pick in terms of the offensive line or something. I would be a little worried if I were a Browns fan of, of just anybody on that offensive line. Like if there's an injury or something to somebody like behind that, like I'm not sure what their depth is behind it. Um, you know, and for a team like the Browns that had such success last year because of their offensive line, you know, something like that would make me a little bit worried. I mean, yeah, Chris, like like we said, like this is not great. Like you know, as, as Ravens fans looking at the way the Browns are putting things together, this looks like a long-term strategy, a way to compete for years and years to come. And, uh, as long as their offense is the real deal, if Baker Mayfield doesn't regress again, you and obviously with the running backs, we didn't even talk about them. Like they're coming back to haunt us. Chubb and Hunt, they're back, and you know it's like crap. You know it's gonna be good. So I definitely I hear all that, man. And this division's no joke. We talked about it during the schedule conversation. The Steelers have the hardest schedule. Uh, they, that's another thing their fans would like to remind you. So going into this year. Um, just a very competitive division. Honestly, I could I could definitely see the Steelers ending up in last place this year. Wow! Or just with their schedule and their schedule, and just like relying on everything to go right. I just don't think it's a good strategy. Um, <laughs> like I know the Bengals have a lot of question marks, but um, you know if uh, if they could just put together some of the coaching, I think um, they could win some games. I mean, if Ben. Yeah, if Ben goes down, there's uh, or just gets old, as I mean, he already is old. <laughs> just gets old. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, still, they've got that defense. Is that going to be enough to to keep them afloat? I mean, I think it's a real question for them. It's thin, and you got like Watt who runs around like a madman, and that's how he breaks himself, right? Like he hasn't had the best uh, history with injury, so like you got like players on there that could really. Uh, not hold up for a whole season, 17 games now. You can see how it falls apart. So I, I don't love that, you know? Like, if you look at a roster construction, if you do a thin roster like they have, they have no depth, they have no way to fall back, it's just, like, really scary. You know, we talk about how the Ravens have a, a whole 
bullpen, so to speak, of corners because they inevitably get hurt and they need them all. Um, they always have loads of uh, talent just in general. Like They're just a very well-drafted uh, team. They're able to keep a deep roster. Um, that's just not the case for the current Steelers. Not to say that they can't draft well. It's just that for whatever reason, the way that they're built right now is like begging that they don't get hurt. Or if they do get hurt, um, they need these early young guys, sometimes undrafted free agents, to step up and perform. Big ask. Well, guys, I'm really glad that we did this episode. It's awesome to be able to get this insight into each team. I, it's probably one of my favorite episodes we do each year, particularly in the off season, where um, you know you have farts and whistles like uh, Devin Duvernay, like was a sleeper report today of like, oh, he's catching everything thrown his way, and like you know he could be a guy. And I was like, guys, like realistically. Like, unless someone gets hurt in front of him, how many touches is this guy going to realistically get in this offense? Like, yeah. this is not even relevant for, like, and Sleeper's a fancy football app, right? Like, it's not relevant. <laughs> like, don't go drafting Devin Duvernay. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is, like, the definition of just the, maybe a best ball if you're just predicting an insane outcome. But, like, you can get him in the waiver wire if something happens. Like, that's just stupid. Like, <laughs> it's not the offense or the player depth chart to be like oh yeah he's gonna be the one i mean I, and as i'm coming from a guy who thought devin duvernay could be a big part of this offense but the moves they made in the offseason with Watkins and now bateman and 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 williams it's like it's not happening that's just not it's just not happening so whatever anyways i thought this was a really fun episode i would love to hear from people who have uh interest in one of these teams you know maybe you're listening to this because you're a ravens fan and um but you came from cleveland right so you know about them or if you're uh which by the way if you are reach out we'd love to have a cleveland browns expert uh for for those uh, know your fellow episodes but like i'm really curious if you have friends that um are fans of these teams please send them this episode and see what they think about this we'd love to hear back you can reach out to us on twitter ravens underscore recap and also email us feedback at ravensrecap.com uh, this is the definition of an episode that's like pretty shareable against uh, amongst friends because it's about other teams, not just the Ravens. Uh, we'd love to get some feedback. And in fact, um, if we get enough feedback or if there's interest, you can even reach out to me like, on the show. We can do like a, a you know, back and forth about the team if you disagree or even if you just want to expand upon things we might have missed. We'd love to hear it. With that, I guess we'll end the show and we'll record again when there's something to talk about i, I really don't know the next <laughs> thing to talk about we'll have to go look at our evergreen topics because like i mean this is the definition of like ota farts and whistles the you know, duvernay story like you know it's just like there's not really any real news so they're just trying to make something up <laughs> maybe if uh if we get julio jones we'll do an emergency pod how about that <laughs> oh boy that'll definitely be an emergency pod for several reasons <laughs> 